to share briefly, and uh, we'll be on our way. I want us to talk to God this morning, and I want you to talk to him like you will talk to your father. Just talk to him like you would talk to your father. And this is very tricky because some of us probably in our earthly experience cannot talk to our father or dare not talk to our father. But I'm talking about the father who is up in heaven, the one who you can talk to who is always willing to listen to you. The one who is never, ever tired of listening to you. The one who is loving and caring. Love you so much that he made you his replica in the earth. That everything he has, everything he had created, was solely designed for you. I want you to talk to him. Talk to God, our Father, who earth in heaven. And our discussion this morning is going to really stretch that. <laughs> talk to God as your Father this morning. And say, Lord, my father, and I appreciate you and I love you. If that's all you are able to say, then that's okay. This morning, our father who is in heaven, we come unto you. And we ask that your spirit divine will help us. To know who you are as our Father. Your Spirit divine will help us to relate with you as such, to live like it, beginning from now, we will see you in your eternal glory. This we pray with faith and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. And the church will say, Hallelujah. This morning, I know some of us, we have heard, uh, we're beginning to learn some epiphany of God from the gospel in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to be picking and peeling layers upon layers as we proceed this year and be trusting God to help us and usher us into a new dimension with him. And if you have not started reading or you have not listened to the previous messages, I encourage you to do that so that you can uh, follow along. Amen. 
This morning, quickly, I'm going to share with us the epiphany of the Last Supper. The epiphany of the Last Supper. I know we are very familiar, or shall I say, most of us, or shall I say, some of us, should be familiar with the story of the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples during the Feast of Passover, before the crucifixion. And I'm going to share with us this morning the epiphany that God is and did actually said we should learn. You see, every time we try to give the Holy Communion, if you've been in Holy Communion services, we read the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe. Is it first or second? First Corinthians, I believe. First Corinthians chapter 11, where we read the story or reenact the story of the Last Supper, and we normally we say, Golly, why don't we read it? The Bible is not far away from us. We have it everywhere. It's on your, it's your iPhone, your Android phone, your, your Kindle, your tablet, and it's on the old good book cover. Amen? Let's look at that quickly um, so that we can just remind ourselves, because we read this every time, um, specifically when we're taking the Holy Communion service, which is in commemoration of the Last Supper. Amen? You with me so far? Um, verse 23 of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 23. So let me go over these with you again. Exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. Say centrally important. I received my instructions from the master himself and passed them Unto you, the master Jesus, on the night of his betrayer, took bread, having given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same, the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. Hallelujah. Now, this is an explicit admonition or instruction from the master Jesus that Paul picked up and is relating to us. That Jesus emphatically told us that each time we're taking the Holy Communion service, we should remember him. 
Okay? But what exactly is Jesus trying to say? What does he want us to remember him about? And that's why we want to go back and look at the epiphany of the Last Supper. What exactly is he saying? Now, this is a diamond wishes. This was the last thing Jesus did with the disciples. That's why the Bible says this is centrally, critically important. Hallelujah. And so let's go to the scriptures and look at what Jesus wants us to remember. Why is he saying we should remember him? Each time we do this, this last event he had with the disciples. And when you read from the book of Luke chapter 22, you will see how the Bible said, Jesus said, I have been eager, eagerly waiting to have this meal with you. This last supper. Because after this, I will never again drink wine with you. Until in the kingdom of my father. Amen. Now again, this is critical. And I believe at this point, the Lord is bringing unto us this epiphany. And wants us to see as being critical. If Jesus said it is critical, know therefore that it is critical. The Bible, I mean, there is a popular adage that says, a lion does not roar unless there is a prey. A lion does not roar if there is no prey. And when Jesus asks you to pay attention to something, it means it is very critical. Amen? The issue of identity crisis has been the core of the debacle in the life of every Christian. And this is what Jesus wanted to reveal at the Last Supper. There are two things that I don't want you to forget today. Because time might not permit us to go through all that we need to go through. But I want you to hold on to two things. In the epiphany of the Last Supper, Jesus revealed to us our identity. And how we should operate in our identity. The number two things that Jesus revealed, well, one and two, is how to live out that identity. Because that's what he came to do. He came to show us who we are in God and how to operate and live based on who we are in God here on earth. So number one thing you do not want to forget today is the revelation of the identity of who we are that Jesus released unto us in the Last Supper. And the second is the responsibility or the life or how he wants us to carry out our business here on earth based on that identity. Amen? So, in Ephesians chapter 1, when we read the, the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to bring to your attention quickly, verse number 11. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. 
it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Again, if you forget anything today, those two things, our identity and our purpose, it is in Christ that we find out who we are. Identity. And what we are living for. Purpose. Jesus demonstrated this to us as the last assignment he will do on earth. At the last supper. And he does not want us to ever forget it. He said, every time you participate in Holy Communion, I want you to remember your identity. I want you to remember your purpose. Remember me each time you do this. Hallelujah. Are you with me so far? It is in Christ that we know who we are and what we are living for. Amen? You know, in Genesis chapter 1, when God made man, every one of us, we know verse 26, where God said, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them reflect our nature. Can we read that also? Let's read that. Let's read that. I don't want to jump scripture today, and I want you to take note of these scriptures. Because the Bible says, let all men be liar, but God be truth. Verses of scriptures are critical to anything we want to believe in God. You don't find the verse and the chapter, think twice about it. There could be epiphany, there could be revelation, yes. But think twice if you cannot support any ordinance. In Christianity with chapters and verse in the scriptures. Because there are a lot of wolves out there. Amen? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I want us to read that as well. I don't want to misquote anything today. This is critically important. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the earth, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of earth, God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them, male and female, and God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish. In the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Now, this was the vision of God when He created human beings, and it has not changed. He created human beings with an identity, and that identity is God's own identity. God's DNA was released and created. With man. 
And the purpose was defined also in Genesis. What God wanted to do with man was clearly defined there. Let them reflect our nature. Because God was extending his kingdom in heaven to the earth. And he wants man to represent him on earth. He wants man to reflect his nature on earth. That means as it is in heaven, so it is in the earth. That was the design purpose of God from the beginning. And it has not changed. Jesus came to the scene and he helped us and re-emphasized that by coming to demonstrate that identity for us to see and that purpose-driven life for us to see. And before he left, he left us a diamond wish at the last supper table that he never wished for any one of us to forget, to remember our identity, to remember our purpose. Any man that is having these two crises will never fulfill God's purpose on earth. The lack of understanding of our identity of who we are and our purpose produces nothing but cataclysmic effect in the earth planet. The disaster on earth today can be tied back to the lack of understanding of identity and purpose. Hallelujah. God articulated that in Christ Jesus and Jesus passed it on to us so that we can live a purpose-driven life based on the identity that God has given us. Amen? Are you with me so far? The last supper, the last meal, that Jesus shared with his disciples happened during the feast of Passover in Israel. The feast of Passover in Israel is the feast that is designed to commemorate the great deliverance of God. How God wrought deliverance in Egypt. To bring Israel out of the bondage of Egypt after living in bondage of slavery for 400 years. So the last supper feast was the feast in Israel where all Jews commemorate or remember the great deliverance of God that brought them from the bondage of slavery to the liberty of God. You follow me? It was this particular time when that feast was going on that Jesus decided to sit at the table and the feast has a special meal to be prepared. And that special meal was prepared for Jesus to have this one last meal with his disciples. Before he will complete the assignment God sent him here to do. 
So, you remember the story. I don't think I should bore you. For the benefit of those who have not read their Bible for maybe 365 days. Is there anyone who have not done that? In the past 365 days, you have not read your Bible. We have to pray and anoint you right now. Hallelujah. During the life of Jacob, Joseph, the son of Jacob, was sold into slavery. You remember the story? By his sibling. And for 400 years, the Israelites, they sojourned in the land of Egypt. There was a new pharaoh that came into power in Egypt that did not know Joseph. Joseph was the prime minister. And because of the growth of the Israelites, the abundance of God's grace upon their life in the land of Egypt was so much that they've grown so wide to the tune of about 200 million people. Either 200 or 2 million. I think it was 2 million. They become a threat to the Egyptians. As a result of that pharaoh, the then king who knew no Joseph decided to put them into slavery. And the slavery was so severe that the children of Israel cried unto God. And God sent a deliverer, a person of Moses. Moses went to Egypt, talked to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you need to let my people go. Pharaoh will not listen. And God decided to kill every firstborn in Egypt to get the attention of Pharaoh. On the night when God decided to do this, he sent instruction to the Jews that every Jew in Egypt, in each household, must kill a lamb. And sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the lintel of their house where they live. And God promised. When he sent the angel of destruction or the angel of death to Egypt to kill every firstborn in Egypt. That the angel will identify the household of Israel. By looking at the blood on the lintel. Wherever the blood of the lamb is seen, the angel will pass over. That's where the Passover word came from. And the Jews or the Israelites did exactly as God said. Kill the lamb. Sprinkle the blood on the lintel. And that faithful night when God came down, killed every firstborn in Egypt. Every firstborn of the Israelites were saved. Protected because of the blood of the lamb. That was on the lintel of the house. Hallelujah. Again, that was the Passover night. And Jesus chose the Passover feast to have the last Passover meal with his disciple. Is that a coincidence? The lamp was slain in Egypt. And behold the lamp of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus trying to reenact the deliverance of Israel that he has brought to the entire world, that whosoever we have the mark of the blood of Jesus upon the lintel of his house, of the lintel of his heart, 
will be saved. He wanted to reiterate that on the Last Supper because that's what he came to do. He said, I don't want you to forget this. Every time you do communion, remember me. That as long as you have the mark of the blood of Jesus, that behold, I have the mark of the blood of Jesus, let no one do me no harm. Was the Lamb of God that was slain from before the foundation of the earth. It manifested in Egypt. And then he manifested at the cross of Calvary. Before he went to Calvary, he wanted to remind them what they already know. They were familiar about the Passover night. And so he wanted to remind them about the, 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 the salvation of God, the deliverance of God that they've experienced. It was a shadow of the real thing. And he wanted to remind them at the last supper table that the real thing is now here. I want to teach you from known level to an unknown level. You are familiar with the Passover that happened in Egypt. Behold, the lamp of God is sitting with you. When you do this, I want you to remember. Do not forget, I am the lamp of God that takes away the sin of the world. Because in few hours, my blood is going to be sprinkled. My blood is going to be shed. And I want you to remember, just like God did in Egypt, when you sojourned there for five, 400 years, and God brought deliverance, deliverance is about to happen to the world. And I want you to remember it. Every time you do this communion, I want you to remember this. Jesus sat at the table with his disciples. And I want to show you that I trust the Holy Spirit to help us this morning. What God wants us to see. That no one will leave this assembly today. Or if you're listening online. You will never again forget what Jesus carefully told us never to forget. We read the book of John chapter 14 and probably 13 to read the account what really happened at the last supper table. I want your spiritual antenna to be Alert to begin to see what Jesus is saying to remember. Because oftentimes when we say this, when we read the scripture, when we're doing Holy Communion, we have no idea what to remember. And it has become so routine that nobody even pay attention. We just want to drink the cup and eat the waffle. The wafer. But Jesus met it when he said, every time you do this, remember me. And the epiphany that he released to us that night is what we trust in the Holy Spirit to give unto us. When I am the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. As God wrought deliverance in Egypt that night, I am here to do the same 
of every man and every woman that will have my blood upon the lintel of their lives. Amen. Before we read the scripture, because we have long scripture to read, I'm going to tell us just briefly some of those things that we want to pay attention to as we read the scripture. We're going to read John chapter 14 first. The first thing you will see that you will notice in John chapter 14 as we read those scriptures in John chapter 13 because we want to read the actual event. Is what we have just sung. That Jesus don't want you to ever forget. Jesus knew who his father was. And he repeatedly, he entered into dialogue with his disciples about this. Amen? Jesus wanted us never to forget who our father really is. Number two, Jesus knew who he was in his father. He wanted us to never forget our identity, who we are. Number three, Jesus knew he was in the Father, and the Father was in him. There was no separation. He wanted us to know, wanted us to know the same thing. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are in God, God is in you. Now, these are the things that Jesus reiterated, and we're going to read it quickly. Number four. He knew he came from God and he would return to God. Accountability. Jesus knew that. He demonstrated that at the last of our table. Five, Jesus knew that the Father has put everything, everything under his charge. That's why I read Genesis chapter 1. So when we read Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it does not meet with reality. We cannot believe that God actually meant it when he said, let them be responsible for everything. The human being I'm created. He said, let them be responsible for everything. Take charge. Jesus demonstrated that. He knew that. And he wanted us to know that. At the last supper table, he demonstrated it. Amen. And lastly, Jesus knew. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the conduit that leads men to God. Jesus knew that, and he wanted us to know that. At the last supper table, he wanted us to have this epiphany about him, which is about us. And that's what he did in John chapter 14. Let's go through it quickly. John chapter 14, I start from verse number 1. The epiphany... Of the Last Supper. Don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. Pay attention. Father is personified. My father. <laughs> you see, we pay attention to our little girl. 
Abigail don't say daddy, mommy, often. As much as she says, my daddy, my mommy. She takes it personal. So every time she does that, God will whisper to my ear, listen to her. God wants us to take it personal. When it comes to him being our father. When Jesus taught the disciples about the prayer, teach yourself to pray. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Say, our father. Hallelujah. I don't think I have the time to emphasize how critical it is more than Jesus already did. We're going to see it now. How critical it is for you and I to remember when we remember Jesus, that Jesus has zero doubts about who his father was. And he wants us to be in the exact same situation. To have zero doubt about God being our father. And you see so many references in the scripture, we won't go into that, but let's read on. In my father, father's home. Okay, verse 5. Thomas said, master. We have no idea where you are going. How do you expect us to know the road? Oh, sorry. I think I jumped. Um, if that weren't so, okay. Will I have told you that I am on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I am on my way to get your room ready, your room ready, I will come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road. I am taking. That's what Jesus is saying. This was at the last supper table. Are you with me so far? Thomas said, Master, we have no idea where you are going. How do you expect us to know the road? Jesus said, I am the road. Also the truth. Also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, pay attention, these are the apostles. These are the apostles that were with him day in, day out. So it is absolutely possible to be born again and not know who God is. I'm telling you, the lion does not roar except there is a prey. Jesus will never ask us to pay attention to anything unless he knew. Something is missing. Except if, let's go, let's move forward. The apostle did not know. And Thomas said, we don't know. So you cannot assume that everyone seated here at the church, in a congregation, every pastor preaching on the altar, knows who God is. That would be a very costly assumption. Thomas said, sir, we don't know where you're going. Let alone know the road. 
Jesus said, I am the road and the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. This is getting interesting. After how many years? So about three and a half years, Jesus is now saying, if you really knew me, from now on, you do know him. You've even seen him. That's a spiritual epiphany. Philip said, Master, show us the Father. Then we will be content. Everything you are saying is good, dandy, rosy. Just show us the Father. End of story. Again, these are apostles filled with the power of God. Went out to do miracles. And yet, at this point and at this moment in time, they knew not who God is. They've seen Jesus, but they've not seen God. They could not see God in Jesus. And how many Christians today are in that same boat? That's why Jesus said, when you come to the place of communion, remember me. Go back to the last supper table and look at the epiphany I gave to you. And look at Jesus' response again to Philip. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand? Absolutely. Many of us are here today. And we're in that same boat. And by the Spirit of God is given unto you the epiphany that Jesus has given unto us 2,000 years ago. To see me is to see the Father. Now he's talking plainly. Plain English. To see me is to see the Father. How can you ask, where is the Father? And now, begin to see what the problem is, the root cause. Don't you believe? It's all about believing. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Here's the problem. If they don't believe that, how will they now believe that God is in them and they're in God? If they cannot believe that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him, that's the implication. And Jesus at the last supper table is trying to correct that. He wanted to make sure that he will not live this part of eternity without ensuring they understand that this is the design of God. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So that when Jesus lives inside of us, we have enough capacity to believe that when man sees us, they have seen God. The reason it's not happening is because we have not believed. You might say, what are you talking about? I've been born again 30 years, okay? The apostles, they raised the dead. They cast out demons. Yet, they do not know. Jesus opened their eyes at the last supper table for them to understand who they really are 
said, don't you believe that I am the in the Father and the Father is in me? Because if you don't believe that, how are you going to believe that I am in you and that you are in me? Epiphany at the Last Supper. Jesus made it crystal clear at the Last Supper, our identity, our place in God. The God is in us and we are in him. Just like Jesus was in God and God was in him. It was at the Last Supper table. He made that clear to the disciples and the apostles. Hallelujah. He said, believe me, I am in my father. My father is in me. Now, if you can't believe that, we can't have time for this. <laughs> this is the second dimension. God is awesome. Say, God is awesome. Ah. God will not crucify us for not believing. He will make a way. He said, if you cannot believe all that I've been telling you, because it looks like a myth, believe what you see. This works. This works. And I pray we'll be able to get to this. The time is up. I'm not going to be able to pass this bank. This works. Jesus was empathetic with the apostles. Knew that this is struggling. Said, okay. If you can't believe what I've just told you, then believe what you see. Because human beings, by our nature, the way God created us, we believe what we see. We don't believe in mythologies. We don't want anything that is mythical. It takes us time to move there, to get there. So he gave us the opportunity and said, believe the works that you see. That should help you. Remember when Jesus performed some miracles and they said, well, it's demon possessed of this. The Pharisees do have that argument. They say, well, someone who is demon possessed cannot open the blind eyes. We know that. Because human beings will believe what we see. So the works that Jesus is referring to here, he demonstrated it. Is the responsibility side of the thing. So, if people cannot believe God by listening to gospel, if people will not believe God by listening to messages, God said there is another way. Jesus demonstrated it. If you cannot believe by just hearing me speak to you, listening to Bible study, listening to messages, there is another way. You can believe what you see, right? Okay then believe this works. That's the second layer that we have not delved into as Christians. Because we ourselves are still struggling. People have the capacity to believe God through works. Good works. We, can, we have to define that. 
good works that Jesus did. He demonstrated it at the Last Supper table. And I'm trusting God that God will open our heart to the epiphany that Jesus released unto us at the Last Supper table. Our time is up. We continue, but again, Jesus, at the last moment, before he passed on to glory, before he get on the cross, he gave this epiphany. He told us how he was in the Father, and the Father was in him. He knew exactly who his Father was. There was no doubt about it. Jesus wants us to remember that every time we take communion. And he knew. He knew that it is possible for people not to believe by just hearing. And he said, it is possible for people to believe what they see. Works. Good works. You've been hearing workplace ministry. You've been hearing all these things. Jesus established it at the Last Supper table. Paraventure, there are people that will not believe just by listening to messages. I will create another avenue to bring them into the kingdom. I will make sure that when you work according to the works that I do, then people can believe what they see. I still provide an avenue. For a human being to come to me through good works. Let's rise on our feet. We'll touch more on this and try to complete it maybe during the Bible study on Wednesday. But I want us to pray. I want us to talk to God about the one we've heard. The ability to believe God is given unto us. The grace to believe him has been given unto us through the Holy Spirit. And I want us to pray this moment to talk to God so that when we hear his word, even though he has given us an, an, a pass, he gave us an alternative. But I want us to start from trusting and believing that the ability to believe what God says, the grace of the Holy Spirit that is in us to believe what God says. To believe who God says we are. To agree with God concerning who he say you were. I want you to trust God and say, Lord, grant unto me the inner strength, the ability to believe who you say I am. To believe you at your word. To trust you at your word. I want you to grant me that ability. I want to trust you. I want to believe 